You're listening to Up to the Mic. If you want to learn about the struggles and triumphs of starting a business, performing for sold-out arenas, or inspiring those you lead, Up to the Mic is the show for you. Throw on some headphones and get ready to listen as our host, Vinny Hale, sits down to showcase the stories of those who deserve their stories be told. From young entrepreneurs to critically acclaimed musicians and so much more, Vinny helps compile a season of interviews that inspire listeners to follow in the footsteps of his guest. My next guest is a full-time business owner, attorney, and CPA. After graduating from Texas A&M, he went on to complete his JD at the University of Virginia School of Law before heading back to Texas to work at numerous law and public accounting firms. He's now made a career transition and is the managing member of Provident Legal Counsel and partner at Provident Financial Planning. Please welcome my next guest, Zach Montgomery. Thanks so much for being here, Zach. So happy that we were able to... uh, Hop on and make this happen. No, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, it's uh, not been too long since we last spoke, and I'm happy that I get to share your story with all of the listeners. I think it'll resonate really well. And I want to dig into everything that it is that you are up to these days. And my listeners have probably heard me say this before, but before we get there, I like to bring it back to the beginning and just kind of give your sense of background for all of those out there who may not know you very well. So tell me a little bit about your upbringing, where you're from, what you did growing up, family life, uh, all of the like, and then we'll jump into uh, current state here in a little bit. Sure. Uh, So I I guess starting point is that I'm a Texas native um, and a a Dallas native at that. So didn't, didn't venture too far from my roots. I Grew up in the Rowlett area, so kind of east of Dallas. And then, uh, you know, I guess uh, after elementary school or part of middle school, moved up to Frisco. And I remember moving back then, like Highway 121 was still a blinking light. Um, you know, it is nothing like the, the what several awards over the past several years of like being one of the fastest growing cities in America. Uh, I, I, I was here before that happened. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I grew up in uh, Frisco. I'm the oldest of three kids um, with, with two younger sisters. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we were close-knit family, grew up, did everything together. And, and I think as we'll get into more of my professional story, I think that had a lot to do with forming me with the certain passions that I did and uh, just where ultimately my, my career in life turned out uh, just because my family was so close knit. Uh, my dad uh, is a perpetual cheerleader um, and has been throughout the whole process. Um, my mother has been supportive the, the whole way through as well. Um, so I think that was certainly a factor, um, but also just deep conversations around the dinner table night after night. I mean, we were together as a family, had these conversations about you name it, what's going on in society, politics, theology, you know, school subjects of various kinds. I mean, that was just the norm. Um, so I think all of that kind of packaged together, um, you know, really kind of pushed me in a certain direction with my career. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's kind of a, my background in a nutshell, but yeah. 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I know we'll get into the career portions of it and it'll, from what I probably mentioned in the intro and from what you'll talk to here in a few moments, that'll make a lot more sense as to why those deep conversations turned you into the person that you are today. Uh, but I'm curious, you went to college at Texas A&M and then eventually the University of Virginia Law School. Maybe talk to me a little bit about the decision to go to both for that matter and uh, your experiences in college as a whole. Sure. Uh, so uh, it, it's funny. Part of my story started out, I wanted to go more into a medical career. I wanted to be a dentist. Um, and so much so that, you know, my, my Christmas wish list, you know, would include like dental anatomy and embryology books. Uh, and when we're talking about like, you know, in sixth grade, I, I wanted to make sure that I was like ahead of the curve and, and you know, had my stuff, you know, ready to go before I even stepped foot into college, let alone high school. Um, but I, I think it shifted uh, in, in high school um, where I wanted to go more of a legal career. And, and uh, I, I was told by, by friends um, as well as, you know, my parents that it may make more sense. And in fact, it does make more sense to have a solid business background uh, before you pursue a career in law. And, and you know, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I, both of my parents were finance majors, so, you know, it was, it was, they were, they were probably a, a tad biased, but ultimately one of the best for me. Um, but yeah, I, I knew I wanted to go to a, a state school. I knew I wanted to, uh, you know, stay in Texas. And so Texas A&M actually was the only option in my mind. Uh, both of my parents went to Baylor and, uh, you know, I, I didn't even want to like shop around, so to speak, apply to other schools, like whatever, like my mind was made up, you know, from the beginning, I'm going to a and I'm going to be an Aggie. And, uh, you know, I, I think I made the, the right decision. And, you know, my, my younger sisters also ended up at Baylor. I, I bring that up just because I, I consider myself the white sheep in my family, uh, even though they, they may have the opposite term for me. Um, but, but I, I think the, the, the funny thing in that is that I applied to A&M and, and my mom still filled out the application for Baylor, um, ju just so I could have a, a second option, but just in case. Um, yeah. So yeah, I went to, went to Texas A&M, uh, learned about their, their accounting program, their professional, uh, program in accounting and thought that would be great. Um, and, and so I did that. I came in with so many credit hours that I was able to do the five-year program in four years. And, and so I thought, well, why not tack on another degree? And so I uh, did, did an undergrad in accounting and business honors and then did, did my master's in management information systems, which I thought was a great blending of business, but also technology, which as we've seen, even with recent stuff with AI and everything, I mean, technology isn't going away. It's just becoming more pervasive uh, in society and especially with business. So um, I, th I thought that gave a, a good solid foundation before moving on to law school, um, which if I recall correctly, I think I was the only 
was the only student in my graduating class for the PPA program that thought, you know what, let's do more school and, and went on to, to law school. Three more so. years. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, just, just so much fun. Um, I, I'm a perpetual student. I mean, that, that, that has never gone away from me. Just, just whether I'm in a, a you know, educational institution, um, ha has changed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess outside of the academics, um, I was a singing cadet, uh, for, for part of my time at A&M, which I, I loved, got to do some great things, um, with the singing cadets and met former presidents and, and, and the like. I mean, it was, it was awesome. And, uh, and I was also really involved in Christian business leaders, which allowed me to blend my, my faith with, with where, where my studies were as well. So. That's great. And I love what you said in there. One little nugget of information about how technology is constantly becoming ever more so prevalent in our lives. And I couldn't agree with that more having a very similar background to your, to yourself, especially from uh, a and M specifically, you know, it's something I see every day of how, in my line of work, bridging the gap between accounting and technology and how the two intersect with each other so closely, but how it applies to every facet of every organization and every company out there that if you're not keeping pace with what's coming down the line, you're just falling behind and eventually you're going to become a thing of the past at that point. You're going to become irrelevant. So keeping pace yeah. is sometimes the hardest thing to do if you're not someone that is a perpetual learner. You have to constantly be looking for the ability to learn, the ability for the next thing to come through. So um, great words of wisdom there. I did want to jump back just a little bit though, because I don't sure. want to breeze over the fact about your decision to go to law school. I'm curious if one, maybe you have any advice for anyone that might be considering law school for themselves. And two, maybe if there was a defining moment that made you think of it. I know initially you had thought to go to medical school and then you got a business degree before going to law school, but was there ever a moment where you had decided or were trying to make the decision between whether you should consider three more years or just start off in the career world or a corporate world, I guess I should say. I, I mean, honestly, my mind was made up to go to law school back in high school and and that's that's a pretty pretty big commitment before you even step foot on a university campus to say you know more or less i'm committing you know to at least seven years of education um i mean i i had really made that decision back in in high school. And so I saw college as I have to work hard. I have to do everything I need to do to make sure that I'm positioned well to then, you know, get into a good law school and, and go from there. And so um, I don't think there was ever any point of, of wavering or, or kind of questioning like, you know, is, is this what I should be doing? Um, it, it honestly just got better. Like I, I knew I wanted to get a business foundation, but I didn't know what that looked like. Um, and so I, I only learned about the accounting program and kind of went that route. And so it, it made it even better once I was at A&M. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was solidified for me back in, in high school. And, and a lot of it had to do with those conversations. Like I mentioned, I mean, my dad is, is very passionate 
um, and passionate about a lot of things. And so he would be up on politics and different things. And I know law and politics aren't necessarily completely related, um, you know, because, you know, you, you can have a career in politics separate from a career in law and, and everything. But, you know, there there's there's you know, seeds within politics and, and policies and, and various things that are informed by laws and, and, and kind of how legislative bodies work and, and all this. And so that has always um, been of interest to me. And, and so that's really kind of what set me on the path, you know, of determination and commitment to have a legal career, uh, even though it was, you know, pretty far in the distance, you know, especially if you're talking about like a sophomore in high school, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, by, by the end of it, you know, the seven years plus the, the three years that were left in, in high school. I mean, that, that was 10 years in the future before I could even sit for the bar exam, but you know, I, I made my mind up. Fair enough. Well, I'm one who typically sees the combination where, you don't have to be in politics to have been in law or vice versa. And there is a pretty, I guess, common intersection there as I'm someone who's currently been keeping up with uh, the student loan forgiveness lawsuit that's going on right now. And so um, I'm not an attorney by nature. And so none of this is legal advice from either of us for those listening. Um, but I'm just, I'm sitting there reading all the articles about it, like kind of keeping pace with what is going to be released. And they might make a decision today as we record this. So by the time this goes live in a few weeks, you know, we might have a decision already made, but uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. That's just kind of the legal topic or politics topic of choice. It's, it's the intersection of both right now. Um, sure. And that's a perfect example of it, but <laughs> maybe talk to me. Let's, let's get off that and talk to me a little bit about your life after college. So after you know, undergrad and master's of MIS at Texas A&M, you decide to go and do law school at the University of Virginia, a very prestigious law school. You come out, what is the goal? What is the first step? What is the vision for you? And then how did your career kind of pivot and change after that? Sure. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll answer this question, but uh, by, by, uh, Kind of addressing part of the last question, which is like advice when it comes to law school. I, I come from a family where, you know, not of attorneys. Um, you know, my my family is one of you know owning their own businesses and you know pulling themselves up by their bootstraps. And so I didn't really have someone in the family to talk to about the process and what it looks like and everything. I mean me being, you know, only experienced with college and the process of getting into, you know, an undergrad uh, institution, just thought it would be the same. And it's not, um, you know, it's, it, it's a process that even top candidates will, will more than likely get rejections from some institutions, just because these law schools are trying to, you know, craft the the best most diverse you know group of students that will you know go through this this legal education and so you know there were safety schools that i didn't get into and then you know reach schools that i did get into i mean it, it, it's just 
it's just crazy how it goes. But yeah, I ultimately did uh, go to University of Virginia. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it up there. I mean, it was great to have the proximity to Washington, D.C. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of have that, you know, in, in our backyard, two hours removed. Uh, but but also just the the area, the the space we were in, you know, the the law school is kind of removed from the main grounds. And uh, yeah, I mean, and ended up developing a lot of good friendships at the law school. Um, people that I saw eye to eye with, you know, from a you know political standpoint or, or faith standpoint and, and people across, you know, the aisle. I mean, I thought that was a great thing with law school was getting such a, a group of diverse views in the same room and, uh, you know, learning different things. I mean, I may still come out thinking that I'm on the right side of an issue, but it's great to hear, you know, okay, how did you come to that, to that conclusion? Like, why, why are you thinking that, you know? And so, uh, the legal education process, you know, I, I think is, is great. I, I wish though that there were more hands on kind of experience related things, um, to kind of best prepare you for your career. I think it's a lot of like ivory tower education, but not like you don't come out of law school necessarily knowing how to draft all the different things, you know, that may occur during a case, uh, you know, if you're in litigation or something. So, um, you know, that that's something where it's just trial by fire, drinking from a fire hose once you get into your job. So, <laughs> um, you know, and that's that's just part of the process, I guess. But um, yeah, I was I was in law school uh, and went through interviews and different things, but uh, the the law firm route really didn't kind of reveal itself for me as kind of a, a, a career trajectory, at least initially. Um, I really wanted to capitalize on my CPA background and my accounting background and all that, and blend that with a career in law. And so most of my classes were focused on, you know, tax law and corporate law and, you know, secured transactions and, and those type of things. And yeah, I, I learned pretty quickly that lawyers or at least law firms that I interviewed with and everything don't really want to hear that you're a CPA and have been trained to think a certain way already that they, they want to train you. Um, so, so that was, again, a lot of it's just been a learning experience. Like, oh, I had no idea. I thought it was an asset. A lot of the firms didn't think it was an asset. Um, so, you know, it led me to ultimately starting my career and with, with the, the big four firms. I started with PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, doing tax controversy work. And basically all the places I've worked at, and, and I'll, 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 I'll pause here, um, have basically been, whether it's in public accounting or with a law firm or even uh, starting my own firm or whatever, has been with that blend of business and, and law, even if I wasn't directly practicing in that role. What do you think about that little piece of information you mentioned regarding you thought your CPA 
background or your accounting background was going to be an asset, mm-hmm. but they wanted to train you to think a certain way on your own. Maybe can you expand on what you mean by that a little bit? Yeah, I was I was the confident guy going into interviews and leading with the fact <laughs> almost every time with, hey, I, I'm 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 uh you know educated in accounting, you know, <laughs> I have have this uh CPA uh license at my disposal or you know, depending on the time uh, you know, I was I was I had sat for the exam and passed the the exam, but still needed like a few hours of experience to finish it out and get my license. Um, and it, even uh, like in the interviews, like mentioning that I could see it on the faces of the interviewers, <laughs> like weren't interested. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so much of it is, and I saw it more with the bigger firms, but they take pride in the institution that they represent and you know with the with the attorneys at the higher levels partners you know senior associates they want to train you up to to just think a certain way and look at things kind of the way they want you to look at things and i i i, I never understood that i still don't understand that um, I, w- I would push against that narrative, you know, to this day, because I think to my point earlier about law school and having that diversity of viewpoints and opinions and everything, if you have somebody who has been trained differently, that is an asset that allows you to have somebody that, you know, if we're all thinking about it the same way, how is that helpful, um, you know, versus having, oh, you know, well, Zach's also CPA. Put your CPA hat on. <laughs> How would you look at it from that vantage point? And you know, it could be the same result, but it it could be different. And so, yeah, I again, I I, I didn't understand it at the time, and I don't understand it to this day. But that that's that's been my experience at least. <laughs> well, you eventually broke through the corporate barrier. And you worked at a few different public accounting firms. You worked at a few different law firms. And then you decided that you were going to branch out. You wanted to use your way you were thought or way you were taught to think in your own way. And you decided to make your own firm. And now you are kind of, uh, I, I guess I don't want to misdescribe it. So I'll let you, but you have two businesses, one more um, finance related and one more legal related. Maybe talk about starting those businesses or partnering in those businesses and describe them a little bit for us. Sure. So uh, I was at a point um, coming, you know, through my career and then, you know, the COVID pandemic happened uh, that uh, up until that point I had experienced you know, what, what the big firm life is, which can be good. And I think people can get lulled into a sense of security as as far as job security, depending on what you do. And, and, and my experience was the complete opposite. Um, I, I learned very quickly that it doesn't matter how big the firm is, you can, you can easily be a casualty. And, you know, I learned that, you know, I had, I had asked for my wife's hand in marriage from her father 
And, you know, I was ready with my full business plan to show how I would support and take care of his daughter and all that stuff, which, you know, that, that was just, I, I wanted to be prepared. I, I want to be prepared in, in everything I do. And then right after we get married, uh, you know, I got let go just because of some, some restructuring. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, you know, it wasn't just, uh, me that was affected by my wife. I mean, she was let go, um, during the pandemic while pregnant. And, and then I was let go from the firm. I was at about two, little over two weeks before my daughter was born. It was like, man, I mean, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are necessarily. I mean, things can just change. And, and so I, I really, part of it has, has come from that and that like, I want to be as much as I can be, uh, kind of the master of my future. Like if, if I'm going to succeed, I want to succeed because of, of what I put in place and execute. And if I fail, I want it to be, be you know, be because of the things I, I did. Um, you know, I don't want it to be just some stroke of a pen. I don't even know who Zach or anybody else is in this department and, and is let go. Um, so I, I wanted to pursue something of my own making, which, you know, I shouldn't be shocked because my, my father, my grandfather, I mean, I, I come from a line of entrepreneurs. I, I think I always had that in me. It just took some personal experience you know, some negative experiences, you know, through my career to push me into that realm. So, um, yeah, so basically I was at a place as well with, with the firm I was at where I also wasn't really seeing my, my wife or, or my daughter, um, just working long hours. Even when I was at home, I was in my office, you know, I felt like I missed a good bit. Um, you know, when my daughter was first born in those first couple of years, but, um, Fortunately, I, I, I serve in my local church and I was connected with another guy. Um, uh, his name's Paul Michael and he, he's a, a deacon at the church as well. And we were connected by a, a minister friend and Paul at the time was looking for someone to fill a role of like, attorney, CPA, something. He was more thinking of a CPA to round out his practice to serve high net worth clients, you know, with financial planning and wealth management stuff. Because his issue that he was running into, um, which is a continuous issue, you know, in the industry is you have stratified solutions for people that need, you know, solutions in multiple areas. You, know, you, you still need a CPA. You still need a financial planner or a financial advisor. You still need an attorney to help with estate planning or, or, or various things. And he's like, why can't we have this under one roof? And so he was just in search of a CPA. And the minister friend of ours was told him, what if I could introduce you to somebody who's a CPA and an attorney? <laughs> and, and, Paul was was interested, and so we 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 met up and we had several conversations uh, over over the course of almost a year, uh, just kind of talking through 
um, what it would look like, what we could do, what we couldn't do. You know, there's there's ethical considerations of, you know, being able to practice law and, and be an owner with a non-attorney. And so it's like, okay, well, that's not an option. Um, you know, just, just various issues to, to work through and ultimately found something that would work. We liked it. And so, so ultimately I joined his, uh, company as CFO. Um, and so my role there is really to help with the finance structure of, of the firm. Uh, and the name of the firm is Provident Financial Planning. But I also help with tax advising. And so we help high net worth clients with tax preparation, tax planning, tax strategy, uh, in addition to the, the services that he primarily uh, assists clients with. And that's financial planning, wealth management, you know, planning for retirement. And so we're just kind of blending our disciplines together. Um, so that's not really the practice of law, though, and I didn't want to give that up necessarily. So I established my own firm, which is Provident Legal Counsel. And, and through that, I'm able to serve the general public um, with issues mainly related to planning and protection, you know, estate planning, tax planning, um, you know, if the IRS is knocking on the door, you know, tax controversies and litigation, uh, but also like helping people plan with their businesses, you know, business planning and structuring formation, you know, th those type of things. Those are really my my three main areas that I've tried to help people in the community with. And so that's kind of the the process and what ultimately led up to the two businesses now. But yeah, now I'm I'm got my my law firm, you know, running a law firm hat, you know, or role on one side and then. Uh, functioning as CFO of Provident Financial Planning on the other. And so it's, it's a lot of time management. Um, but even with help and run two companies, you know, it has given me that flexibility to see my family more, um, even though that seems counterintuitive. Um, and just, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm enjoying life a lot more these days. So that was the goal, right? To be happy in life and to have the ability to use your time freely for the people you care about and the things that you care about. Um, it's a funny question, not a funny question, but it's funny that you bring that up because there's always a question that I ask people when I have an interview and the answer typically changes depending on the type of person that I'm interviewing. I've had a few different people think about it different ways. And the question that I'll pose to you is, would you rather have more time or more money and why? Yeah, that, that's an easy one for me. And you probably already know where I'm <laughs> going with my answer, but, uh, more time, 100%. Um, I mean, we, we would be happy, you know, even with less money. Um, I, I think the important thing is, is having time one, but then utilizing the time, um, you know, actually doing something with it. And yeah, I, you know, you, you can't buy more time. And, and I feel like this has been a, a more salient uh, topic, even when with working with those close to retirement or, or in retirement um, and just how they'll talk about, 
you know, their past and looking back and saying, you know, these people may have several million dollars, but they're willing to part even with half of it if it meant they could have another day with, you know, their young daughter again that they may have missed while, while she was growing up. Um, and, and I think there's something to that. I mean, I think part of it's priorities. Um, but, but just what you do with, with the time, I mean, in the same way you can do great things with money. Um, but a lot of hard things and difficult things can come with money as well. So more, more time, uh, for me, for sure. I'll mention a counter argument, not because I disagree, but just because this is the counter argument that's been brought up before. But being that it depends on the state of your life and your career as to what your answer might be for this question, the younger you are, it might be worth it to focus more on money, considering the fact that you are able to do more with that money and have more time in the future if you make more of it now. The flip side of that is you're only going to be young once, like your body is never going to be as agile and your health is never going to be as good and all of those things. You're never, your body's never going to be as young as it is now to enjoy all of the things that you could if you had more time. And so it's a tricky one when you think about it in that light because there's more to it than just money and time. It's what are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your time? How are you utilizing it? Like you mentioned. So. I appreciate the perspective there. Sure. <laughs> um, I know that you've obviously spoken highly um, about your family and about your faith. I'm curious, you know, what are your passions aside from those? I mean, it's totally fine if your family and your faith are your passions. That's a great way to think about it. But I'm just curious, like, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What are the big picture things that you're striving for, the big passions in your life? Yeah. Passion is, is a, is a strong word and I, I don't think it's used enough or we don't talk about our lives in terms of what our passions are enough. Um, and then actually doing something about it again to the, the whole time question. Um, you know, I, I think for me, yeah, certainly family is a, is a passion of mine. I, I want to do things for them and, and, uh, with them and everything. Um, and my faith is, is certainly my, my primary, uh, passion, um, to the point that I, you know, I, I serve my local church. I, I teach each week, um, which, which I love doing. Um, but it, it, it's funny when pursuing one passion, you can learn about a whole different passion, um, depending on what you're doing or who you're with. And so, yeah, it was like through, through my faith and that passion that I learned that I love teaching. I love getting in front of people and, and speaking and, and just, you know, teaching on various topics. I mean, we're doing seminars, you know, through, through the, the businesses that I'm a part of, um, you know, so there's like a, an educational side from, you know, technical stuff assuming people want to stay awake and listen to me talk about federal taxes or estate planning topics. Um, but then there's, you know, the other topics like theology and, and, and different things like that, that I, I love, you know, digging in deep and everything. Um, 
so, so yeah, teaching I've discovered is certainly a passion. I mean, kind of in that vein is why I love writing. Um, it's, it's actually one of my goals and more of a short term goal now to, uh, you know, write a book. Um, and hopefully it's not just one, but, you know, write several. Um, and, and probably not when I, when I talk to people who say they're really into writing, typically what I'll hear is hear back is that they, they write fiction or, you know, something like that. And that's not really a, a passion for me. Um, but kind of writing to the, the tangible, the here and now, what, what can help people. And so, um, so it'd probably be more in, in the vein of a nonfiction, you know, type of category, but, but writing, I I've always loved doing it. Um, so, you know, between teaching and, and writing that those have been big passions. And then one, you know, which I kind of touched on with the singing cadets, I have a passion for music as well. Um, that's actually one of my biggest go-tos when I'm feeling pressure and stress and everything. We have a, a baby grand piano in our home that I'll, I'll tinker uh, on and, and play um, just to, just to enjoy some time and just kind of just, I don't know. It just helps reset the table um, and uh, kind of makes all the worries and anxieties and issues kind of melt away, you know, when you kind of dive into music. So I've always enjoyed that with the piano. Um, I've played drum set as well. I haven't been able to play that as much these days, but that that's definitely a good way to get your aggression out. So <laughs> um, you should get your, uh, your children drum sets as they get older. That'll keep the household very lively. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> my, my daughter's already uh, pr- pretty loud. So <laughs> I don't know if we want to encourage that with, with cymbals and, and drums. So, <laughs> Uh, that's her way to let out any any frustration. So, but uh, no. no, it's I actually I don't know that previously we had mentioned. Uh, I know I knew you were part of the Singing Cadets, but I didn't realize how musically inclined that you were, or how passionate you were about music. And so, thank you for sharing. I yeah. funny little story. I've tried to learn the guitar on numerous different occasions, and mm. I've gotten far enough to learn like six chords, the four basic ones, and then a couple extras that I've just like learned one offs to play a specific song that I like. Sure. And yeah. that's been my problem. I've never sat down with like an actual teacher. I think it's a good problem to have. Let me say that before I go any further, <laughs> but I've never sat down with an actual teacher and I've never sat down um, with a book or anything. I literally just started with which song do I like? Like my favorite songs. And I go to YouTube and I search how to play X song on guitar and I just try and learn it. And if it's hard, yeah. It's hard and you know, I figure it out eventually or I don't and I go to an easier song, <laughs> but uh, that's right. there's probably a better method to approach the madness, but that's how my mind works. And so I'm not someone that's typically very music musically inclined, but there are a few songs here and there that I can pick up the guitar and maybe surprise someone with. So uh, <laughs> I've got that in my back pocket every now and then. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, no, that, that's good. I, I'm always envious of the the people who can especially play by ear, just like just start mm. going just because they heard something, but, but also just to pick, pick something up. I mean, I, I was more formally trained with piano um, and did like, you know, 
formal training in musical theory. And, you know, I, I remember in elementary school, I was doing competitions at SMU for, for musical theory. Um, you know, so, so like that helped set the, the stage for, for my, my passion for music or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I think it would have been a lot different had I not, you know, kind of had those opportunities of, of training, you know, with, with the piano as, as the foundation for then pursuing other things like singing and, uh, playing the drum set and everything like that. Yeah. I've heard that piano is oftentimes a great foundation for learning elsewhere in music. So it's not surprising to hear that. I, um, I'm curious though, I want to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned writing your own book or plural. And I always like to ask people like yourself of high stature and that I admire if you have any favorite books or podcast recommendations for that matter, um, that you might want to share with the listeners. I'm not as uh, good with podcasts <laughs> these days, although I'll, I'll, I'll overhear my, my wife listens to, to Ali Bastucki uh, a lot. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll overhear hers occasionally, <laughs> but I don't know that I can, uh, you know, say that that's my podcast. Um, although it does present, you know, fun topics of conversation. So that's always interesting. Um, but yeah, probably for me, it's, it's books. Uh, I'm constantly, you know, if, if it's my birthday or anything like that, typically what I'm asking for, um, if it's not some particular clothing item that, that I am in need of, it's books just because I love continually developing, you know, skills, learning about new topics, that, that type of thing. Um, kind of a tried and true book that I, I'll go back to. Um, more often than not, is is improving your serve uh, by Charles Swindoll. Um, you know, it it is a faith oriented book, but I I really believe it, it helps inform how one is supposed to not only lead their life, but but really be in a position of leadership, and that's kind of being first in line to serve others. Um, I'm very much an advocate for servant leadership um, and kind of getting down in the mud. Um, before you start asking other people to do it. Um, and just, you know, not only doing and taking the actions, but having, you know, a certain spirit about the way you do it, not begrudgingly or anything like that, but with, you know, just, you know, joy and happiness, like being able to help others. Um, so that's, a that's, a a, a one I, I go back to, um, pretty often. Um, uh, Another one, you know, I, I read a lot of books in the realm of like theology and apologetics. So, and and you probably don't want to hear the the long list or library that I have of all those. Um, you know, uh, another one that I'll I'll kind of go to um, or that I've I've enjoyed thumbing through is uh, the Fall of the Roman Empire, just because I think so much of what happened with the fall of Rome. It, it's almost eerie how much kind of overflows into what we see in society today. Um, and yet we're constantly, you know, 
being stupid, so to speak, when it comes to learning from our past mistakes. I mean, it's just, you know, each civilization that was great seems to have certain characteristics that, that lead to their failure. And yet <laughs> we keep doing it. We, we keep doing it. And, and, you know, it's probably a point as, as we educate students to really focus on, on those type of elements, because we, yeah, we just think we're different for whatever reason. I, I think it's pride, um, you know, hubris, what, whatever you want to call it, that, oh, it'll be different for us. And it's like, well, we've been around for thousands of years. And yet <laughs> the, the, if you keep, you know, the, that, that seems to fall in the definition of insanity. If you, if you think a different outcome <laughs> will happen by doing the same thing over and over again. So, yeah. Well, fair enough. Thank you. Along with the book recommendations came some insightful words of wisdom there. Yeah. And on that note, I'd like to ask, you know, I think your your story in and of itself will help resonate with a lot of people and hopefully inspire them with a lot of the listeners to this podcast being um, a little bit younger in their either education or career journey. I'm curious if you would like to offer, if you can offer any advice for people that might be at an inflection point or a defining moment in their, whether it be educational career or um, actual career, uh, professional career, I guess is the term I'm looking for, um, trying to decide what the next move could be for them and maybe how to reason through some of the hard decisions in those aspects. Sure. Yeah. I, I, and I, I know we've, we've talked a little bit about this before, but I think so much of kind of working through life and working through your education and career and everything is developing relationships. I, I just don't think that's emphasized enough in school. Um, and, and it's something that we're all in need of, even if, you know, you consider yourself a, a lone wolf. Um, we're, we're all in need of relationships. Uh, people who will advocate for us, people who will give us counsel and insight, uh, people who will challenge us. I think that's so critical uh, through these these you know considerable decisions in life when it comes to education and career. You know, if you're at an inflection point, who are you going to go to? Um, because you know we can argue ourselves into taking a certain path. Uh, depending on what day it is, one way versus the other. Um, and, and it's really having people in our lives to, you know, speak truth, um, to provide guidance, uh, to challenge our thinking on things, to help us kind of come to a best decision um, that's not based on emotion or, or anything like that. And so, I, I mean, one of the pieces of advice is to, you know, develop those types of relationships. Um, you know, having a good mentor is so critical. Uh, somebody, you know, you can go to and, and learn from and, and can kind of not hold your hand, but, you know, more or less help you down the path um, and, and hopefully the path to success. Um, you know, I, it's amazing how many people just think like it's not available and it's really because they haven't asked or, or pursued it. So I think a lot of people older or fur, further along in their career would certainly be willing 
they just have an ass and it's not really top of mind for them to say like, oh, I should be a mentor to somebody. Um, but if given the opportunity, they, they will. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's one of the, the biggest things um, is, is surrounding yourselves with, with good counselors. Um, and, uh, you know, just again, thinking through things, um, and evaluating things from different perspectives, you know, I think the, the baseline or, or, you know, kind of the primitive type of, of working through something is like a T chart. Um, and maybe that's the accountant in me. Um, but just trying to like, you know, pros and cons, debits and credits of, of whatever the decision is or, or changing career or, or, you know, what have you, I, I think that's a process we all need to go through um, and see, you know, how will this affect me, my happiness, but even certain considerations above that, how will this affect my family? How will this, you know, affect, you know, this, that, and the other. So, um, yeah, I think relationships is, is certainly my, my biggest point of advice um, to seek that out. And like, you know, even I'm, I'd certainly be willing, you know, even having short conversations or talking to somebody over the phone, like if, if, you know, a listener or, you know, I, I, you said your, your listeners tend to be younger, but you know, if they're still in school or even starting out their career and, and considering things, you know, you know, as that, you know, a little bit further down in my career guy, you know, looking back, um, no, I'd certainly be happy to to have a conversation and and at least, you know, give my insight and try and push you in the right direction. So, yeah. Well, and you've been a great resource. I can speak for that candidly just from reaching out myself and getting to hear your insights and pick your brain a little bit about different things and uh, been a huge help to myself. Thank you for sharing. And on that same note, um, this has been a extremely insightful podcast and I don't want to keep you anymore. I know you've got a busy day. Um, but I would like to ask, you know, if people would like to get in touch with you or find out more about your work, um, where would you point them to, um, to maybe either just follow you or get in touch? Sure. So, uh, I'm, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, all, all, all the different social medias, um, under Zachary Montgomery. Um, and then my for my two businesses, um, you know, Provident Legal Counsel, that's a ProvidentCounsel.com and uh, Provident Financial Planning is ProvidentFP.com. Um, so, yeah, one, one way or the other, uh, if, if the social media isn't possible, then you can find my, my email address um, through the firm. So uh, but I, I would certainly be be happy to to talk with, with anybody that reaches out. So awesome. Well, we'll be sure to tag all of that in the show notes, uh, in the description to this episode, but just want to thank you so much for being here as always, everyone, please don't forget to follow the podcast and your host Vinny Hale on all platforms at Vinny underscore Hale zero seven. And we will see you in the next one. Thanks so much, Zach. Thank you. Yeah. I'm like an addict, ooh, I gotta have it I ain't even playing, got a really bad habit If it moves, gotta grab it Fuse like a magnet, lose, won't have it Till I'm doomed in a cat